Hello, Diana. Welcome to what episode one of the Biz Owner Three Sixty Two Dot O. Two point oh. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. No, I'm excited about this. And if people are curious as to what we're talking about, we released just a short episode just before this to highlight some of the changes in the new improved, you know, podcast. So instead of taking the time today, go back and listen to it. And we appreciate everyone being here. So. Diana, with that being said, I read a stat I figured we could start with that in 2021, so it's a little bit dated, but not too much, the U.S. Census Bureau showed that there was 5.4 million new businesses created, which seems like a lot. And you're like, well, how has that changed since the the pandemic? Well, in 2019, it was only 3.5 million businesses. So as they said, we talk about the Great Resignation, maybe more and more people are starting new businesses. And I thought, this would be a perfect way to kick off, you know, kind of our partnership in talking about it, right? So if we've got a million and almost 2 million new businesses, what can we do to help those those folks succeed and not go back into corporate America? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and it really runs the gamut, doesn't it? I don't know if there was a breakdown in there, but I know personally, I have so many people reaching out to me lately who they've started a business as an influencer, created an LLC, or uh, I, I know a lot of people who are getting into franchising, like they're purchasing new franchises, especially in fast casual. It just really runs the gamut. And then there's the more traditional entrepreneurial path. Like it feels like there's a limitless opportunity right now and positivity is all around, which is a great feeling. Yeah, no, 100% agree. And again, I think you and I both bounced back and forth between corporate and startups. And I think we have that shared value of, man, how do we get more people successful so they can continue with their their vision and their passion with this? And it was interesting you talk about the non-traditional startups, right? I've had conversations with some folks that view themselves as contractors. And the fact is, man, you're a business owner, That's right. <laughs> right? You're charging rates. And I think it's a disservice to a lot of those freelancers and even some of the side hustlers that don't view themselves as business owners and just more of contract work. And if they can change that mindset and think like a business owner, it's going to give them and set them up for, for a better chance of success. Yeah. I think traditionally there was a lot of gatekeeping around the notion of entrepreneurialism, um, business ownership, and, oh, if you don't have employees, you're not a business owner. Well, I say bullshit on that. Uh, certainly, you're you're dealing with very similar struggles, and you have plenty of other struggles that are different from the more traditional brick and mortar, or what have you, business. So I, I think that the tide is, is turning on that, and we're starting to recognize that if you're not getting a W-2, <laughs> you're a business owner. And uh, it's a it's a wide variety, and I think it's very exciting. It is really exciting and scary, right? We yeah. can all admit. I mean, we've shared our at least I've had shared my journey on this in, in the past, and you know, one of the things I think we're both focused on in our own different worlds is you know those entrepreneurs and business owners that get stuck. I mean, it's just I think like I said, this is going to be episode near one hundred and fifty of the podcast, and. Every founder or business owner I've talked to, whether they've got to 100 million, 10 million, everyone was stuck at a time. And I've just come to the realization that the, the difference between success or failure is getting through that stuck point with, if you will. I know it sounds super simple, but I mean, I think that's the, the difference. And I think going into this eyes wide open and thinking about where do I get stuck instead of just, hey, I'm going to put my head down and grow and get customers, and then I'll figure it out later. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the best path. 
Yeah. There's something to be said for going into it and knowing you're going to get stuck or even knowing, and, and this is why we're here, right? To to get in front of some of those instances that are more commonly the sticking points for folks. I mean, we've been there, like you said, we've both been there. We've both been stuck and me in a non more non-traditional business and you in some more traditional businesses, or or we've witnessed it in other companies that we've worked with plenty of times. So yeah, absolutely. You know, especially too. I'll take that non-traditional point of view, but those folks increasingly, they they see themselves as owners sometimes and they operate a business, but they do, they lack that seriousness at times. And I'm sorry, that's that's a generalization and I don't mean to, but I've interacted with some where I think, God, if they only they had some business sense. And I don't yeah. want to be that person like chiding folks on social media, but it's the little things, you know, maybe you're just a, a t-shirt company and you do this in your spare time. But if you focus on the little things, it, you could get past that hump because I, I, it's like you can see. I imagine this happens to you a lot where you interact with a company and you know, like, OK, they're like six months away from this sticking point. Like they're there. They're so close and they don't even realize it. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, the, the, the term I've coined for it is, you know, kind of call it founder's capacity, owner's capacity. And it's where you just can't you can't take on any more business because you as the owner can't deliver it or you can't sell it because you're already at capacity, depending on what type of business model you have, right? If it's more heavy on the delivery and you're the owner that's delivering it, even if you brought more sales, there's nothing you could do. And it's a scary point, right? Because you're at the point, you're probably doing okay. But but why I push people to think beyond getting unstuck is because if you're stuck, that means you're going to burn out. I mean, I was there, the, the first business I had where I wasn't brought in to run something was, you know, a marketing agency back in, yeah, great time to start when it was 20, 2009, right? So right after the financial crisis, I came from a world of direct marketing and it was list. It was pure email list. That was the only thing that was happening in the world besides radio or commercial or those types of things was email list. But digital was coming. The paid ads were coming. And so I was like, look, my company's not going to take it. Now is the time to go start this agency. So had some partnerships lined up and it was like a three-year cycle of, hey, we got good clients, we had good momentum, but we just ran out of capacity and we just never or didn't know who to bring in next to help us relieve some of that capacity. And eventually I went back into the, the corporate side to go figure some things out. And now I think coming up the other side, I have a much better idea of how to help people get through that. But the point was, you know, if we hire somebody, and I'd love to get your perspective on this, if you make the wrong hire, right, it's probably going to sink your business, right? Because I hear, well, I need to bring in somebody to run sales. Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe I need to run somebody to run marketing. It's just, it's not that that black and white. And I think that's where either you get paralyzed and not do it, or you make the wrong decision. And it just doesn't give the business the, the greatest chance of success. Yeah, that's rough. And, and, it, and that a lot of times bad hires come back, comes back to a lack of processes um, and not really getting clarity on what needs to be done and where and, and just defining those processes. And I know that's some, another thing that you've talked about on your website and your blog uh, before. And it, when you don't have these things defined, it becomes more and more difficult to identify what it is that you really need. And that could be a person or a service. I know you spoke to marketing. Of course, that's something that's near and dear to my heart. And people come to me, we need we need social media. That was the big thing for like seven or eight years. We need still social is, media. by the way. Yeah, but like like <laughs> saying it that way. Yeah, like, hey, I know. <laughs> I need you to do social. 
Well, well, hold on a second. And and there are plenty of people who will come in and say, yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm sure if you're looking to hire a salesperson, there's every salesperson that's going to come in and promise you the world. But again, if you're lacking that, not only the processes, but the understanding of where the gaps are in your business and why you're stuck, uh, you're you're just, you're putting duct tape over something that's like wet. So that tape's just going to slide right off. Oh, there, yeah. There's a, there's an analogy right there. <laughs> that's Where a new one. I... From? <laughs> no, you're, you're right. And I think because, and we talked about already three or four different ways that you could invest in your business to grow. And, you know, one of the topics I've loved forever, and it started out as a, a personal motto for me, but it's became, become more business related is, you know, change is inevitable, but growth is optional. And a tie onto that, not to be the, the motto person today, but, you know, growth is not one dimensional, right? You just can't do one thing and say, hey, my company's going to grow. They're laying the well, like Uber did. And there's certain products, like the time and place, it was perfect and they run. That's the one tenth of one hundredth percent that are going to hit that. And so, so I think there's some fundamentals that maybe we could talk about now that if you're thinking about either starting your business or in your business or you're stuck, that you should focus on now, like that, I call them like kind of like the, the building blocks that you need, that everybody's business needs. And I'm going to throw one more analogy and then I'll shut up and let you, <laughs> is, you know, the, the thing I've been pushing out lately too, is the 80-20 rule, right? You don't need to be a hundred percent other than in on your customer to get the value. So 20% will get you 80% of the return in four or five different areas. So until you get to that scaling stage, that's how you should be thinking about it. You don't have to be perfect. It's going to find, but hit those, hit those building blocks. Yeah, no, that's great. And, and to that point, I think, and I'll, I'll always, I'll be shouting this from the rooftop, rooftops for forevermore, but you know, when in those first days, you have to take the time and the energy and bring in whatever resources you need to get into the head of your customer, the psychology, the understanding, if you're not doing that from day one, and, and let me be clear, because I know that there are listeners at every stage of their business, if you haven't done this and you found success, it can be really simple to fall into this comfort zone. Uh, but if you haven't, you need to do it now. You need to put resources into that now. And it maybe it'll cost you a little money. You might have to change directions even with your marketing, but it is going to serve you in the long run. But uh, without that, you're 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 without a roadmap. You how how can your marketing, sales, everything, even hires, you know, customer service, every component of your business is going to rely on understanding and being in the heads of your customers in the best way possible. I mean, yeah, no, hundred percent. I think you're absolutely right, and that's a great place to to kind of start with. This is we all like to assume we're our perfect customer, and we know what our customers are thinking. And I think in the early stages, when you're just hustling, and you as the owner are doing the sales, you're doing everything in the super early stages as you're just getting going, you can sell with passion, right? People are going to buy from you. They're probably in your network and maybe they have the mead, maybe they don't. And they'll, you may get that inflated sense of why it's selling, why people are buying. And so you get a little bit more traction. I think it's so important and not that difficult to go ask them or have a third party that can do this part-time super cheaply to say, hey, why did, well, how are you using the product, right? We can get a whole thing on customer success and those here in a minute. But, but to your point, yeah, ask them. That they're more than happy to tell you about why, right? Don't assume. Yeah, and don't just ask them why they're interested in what you do or what value they're getting. Ask them what you're doing wrong. What could you do better? I, I mean, I've done this many times over the years in consulting for marketing personas, which you know people can gripe and you could talk about. Some people hate them. Some people love them. But I do think they're still valid 
to a point. And uh, customers will absolutely candidly give you that feedback as long as you've built a strong relationship. And in those early days, to your point, with your own enthusiasm and willingness to go the extra mile, you're going to have really happy customers who are more than willing to give you that. They'll give, they may, they'll give you referrals, you know, they'll get you that early growth, but they'll also give you that important feedback. So take advantage of it, take what's right in front of you. And that's the low hanging fruit. Yeah. And the one thing I'd add onto that is don't be afraid to ask the customers who didn't buy from you, why they didn't buy from you. There's so much more gold into that fact. And I think you'll be surprised if it's not, well, we decide not to do anything, right? I mean, that's probably the number one person you lose to in your early days of sales is you didn't make it compelling enough for them to move from whatever they're doing with their spreadsheets or whatever service they're using today. So don't, if you're going to talk to your customers, talk to some that didn't buy and, and get that honest feedback. So again, I think that's probably one of the core foundations as you're going and do it forever, right? I think yes. there's some good companies that that do it. I don't know. I don't put you on the spot. If you know any offhand, like maybe Zappos or somebody that's like customer obsessed. That's a great example. I, or any, so I do a lot of work in staffing and recruiting, a lot of B2B and uh one of the areas that B2B and staffing and recruiting in particular really excels at is NPS. And I, when I was back in corporate for a bit, I was head of marketing for an IT and engineering staffing firm. They were monthly recording NPS and then taking that feedback to heart. But maybe you can help us out, take a step back. Cause I'm guessing a lot of folks may not even know what NPS or net promoter score is. So maybe at a high level, just how, if you were a new business or a younger business or stuck business, you know, how would you incorporate or recommend people to use what is NPS and then how do you, how do you use it? Yeah. I mean, at the, in the simplest term, it is a rating for how well you're doing and there's uh, plenty of partners who can gather that information for you. Clearly rated is a big one. They work in multiple verticals. Or you can just get, I mean, it's a fancy word for gathering intel, but it's uh, automated. And, and then there's a, a platform in recruiting that uses it called Sense. Uh, they'll do that and give you a candidate NPS. So like if recruiting is a big issue for you, you'll know how well your recruiters are performing and what you can do better. So it's really just a, a fancy way of giving you a grade. There's different scales and then depending on the service you're using, clearly rated does a really great job of showing industry averages. So you know where you're doing well, where you're not, how to excel. Uh, it's, it's a very valuable tool. It's also pretty costly, quite frankly. So maybe it's not always the best, especially if you're bootstrapping, but it, it's a great tool. But even, I'm just curious and tell me if I'm wrong, but <laughs> there's probably, a, I mean, you can hack this too in the oh, early yeah. days, right? So if, if, if I'm, I'm purely going off of memory, so NPS, like, which is you've got the promoters, right? That's the name, yes. um, neutral, and then detractors. Yeah. Is that? Yes, fair, it, that's a good point. Yeah. And so if even what is eight, nine, 10, on a scale of one yes. to 10, eight, nine, 10 would be promoters. Is that right? Right. And then you've got the passive, or, or yeah, Pass, and, okay. and that's, I think, um, four to seven. And then four and below, I believe, is, is the detractors. So basically anything below eight, you've got work to do, right? Because. Like, just like if you ever go to like the car dealership or you get work done on your car and they bother the heck out of you and they're like, hey, please make sure to give us a 10 out of 10. Otherwise we fail. Like that's why they do that. Right. And maybe some people have some bad memories of, of that, that process. But I think as a small business, it's just really valuable to say, hey, after you've done it or send it out to a customer after a month, they've been using your product or service and just say, hey, on a scale of one to 10, you know, are you how likely are you to recommend us. And it can be super simple. And as you grow, start to to get it a little bit more um, 
structure because I, I like you, I believe that from day one, you've got to be aligned around that customer. And if you wait until you're starting to scale and grow, then it gets really hard to go back and implement these things. So if you just put some simple steps and processes, it, it can be gold for you. And it can, like I said, I think it's an early indicator. If you're not getting eight, nine, 10, you know, find out why now, maybe that's why you're stuck. Maybe that's why you're not getting new customers. So um, yeah, we shared philosophy on Start start with the customers. Yeah, the earlier the better, especially if you find out that you're commoditized. A lot of times you have this idealistic view of what you're providing and how essential it is. And if you find out that actually you're a commodity, that the earlier you do that, the more you can like pivot and change and do what you can. But if you wait until you're stuck, then you may the opportunity may be gone. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to burn out. You spoke earlier about the marketing agency and how um, you got stuck and you risk burnout, but you might not just uh, burn out and plateau, you could regress and that could be the end of it. Yeah. Run out of money. Right. I mean, it's the combination of those things. And like I said, our goal is to have you not go back to corporate America if that's where you started. So that's right. not that we're against ant corporate, you know, we are kind of against corporate America. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll do whatever we can to help you get through that place. And I think, you know, uh, as you approach that that threshold, it's right a, a few things that you can do. I think one of the other areas that I see companies struggle with is not um, treat their customers like gold. We kind of talked about, say, hey, why are they buying from you? But man, I, your customers are your greatest source of new customers. And I think maybe 30% or 20% of the, the companies that I've done work with are actually really good. Again, talking about having a structured and a, a small process at least to say, hey, if you've got satisfied customers, let them be you know, kind of the, the leading of the charge of your, your business development efforts. So I don't know if you see that differently in your world or I love your perspective on that. Yeah. And in, in service oriented businesses and in, uh, you know, transactional purchases. Uh, I mean, everybody gets those. I use Instacart a lot, you know, refer 10 friends and get $10 each. And it could be something that simple or it could be a more uh, casual program. But sometimes it, it sounds so ridiculously simple, but sometimes all you have to do, especially in those early days is ask. Yes. And, and that's regardless of verticals, regardless of what you're offering, just say, do you know anyone else who could benefit from what we provide? And yeah. so few people do that. It's the same thing with like LinkedIn recommendations. I get this question a lot. You have so many LinkedIn recommendations. I'm like, I asked, <laughs> like, it, just ask. Right. No, I think you're absolutely right. Because even when I was in the corporate side, even with larger B2B sales organizations, we really struggled with either testimonials or referrals. We were afraid to have that part of the sales process that just said, hey, if we do a great job, can we use you as a testimonial? And the caveat is if we do a great job, if not, we won't ask you. But if we do, but you're right, I don't know if it's a fear, or if it's just, that, you know, I, I think part of it in my experience has been, hey, we got the sale, they're on board, I got to go get the the next the next customer now. And you know, is the analogy of the leaky boat, right? So the more customers you get, but the more that leave means you've got to go get more on the front end. And so you're constantly thinking of the boat that's got holes as the customers are leaving, you got to bail the boat faster and you can never catch up. So, and I always encourage do whatever you can to take care of those customers that you have today and then work backwards from those folks, which I think we can get to in a minute of how do we think about new business, but back to the foundation and like we can, and the one we haven't talked about yet, which is near and dear to your heart, which I'm a late convert to is the content. And 
right? I mean, if, if you don't have the content, we're in a digital first world now, whether you like it or not, it's not coming back. You're not going to get new business with cold outreach. You may in the early days, but not to, to scale a business. So educate our, our listeners on content and content strategies. Even at the early days, you have to have yes. pieces, oh. right? Like when people ask me, and I know it sounds really cute for me to say this, but when should I start worrying about content? And it's like yesterday. And I think especially from day one, because if you can get ahead of that, like the, the cool thing about content, particularly when you put it on a website, is that it it may take a little while to get going and actually start generating leads for you when you're looking at inbound, that traditional inbound leads, people coming to your site and coming to you, you don't reach out to them. But so that content could bring you leads for literally years. And it's it's very much like putting money into a 401k and compound interest, like it pays off. And then when you get further down the line and you start adding in things like social media or Google ads or Facebook ads or whatever, like you have the, the, the hub, if your website's like the hub of the bicycle and all those little tactics that come off of it are the spokes, um, you, you start to build this machine and the more you put into it and the earlier you put it in, the more that you're going to get out of it, you know, it just starts to or like the snowball coming down the hill, however you want to look at that. And it's really powerful stuff. And and again, if you're not at day one, if you're not in the early days of a startup, it doesn't matter if you're a, a freelancer, if you're if you own a small brick and mortar, it, it's never too late to get started. But you have to be careful. I, I would say like the biggest because I mean, we could do 30 shows on this, but uh, the one thing that I would caution against is if you don't see something immediate, don't walk away. The The trick, and I don't like using words like hack and trick, but the trick of it is these sites are designed, they make money the longer people stay on them. They want you to create good content because if you do, people will stay on their site and they'll see more ads and make them more money. If you stop posting, then the website thinks, well, uh, I'm not going to show anybody this person's stuff because they're not very good and nobody cares what they have to say. They don't post enough. If you keep posting and you commit, then you're going to see many more results than if you just say, oh, this doesn't work. And then you come back to it a few months later. And it, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a wicked game. It's an art and a science. It really is. And there's a lot of fun to it. And there's a lot of frustration to it. But the social media component of content is is critical and it will be whether it's linkedin whether it's tiktok no matter what it ends up being it's it's going to be a part of a strategy for your business for the long run Regardless. this yeah this podcast could be heard in 10 years and i can't see that changing no and it it, it doesn't and i think Right. The key is just not content for content's sake. Right. And I hear smarter right. people like you tell me that all the time. And, it, and it's true. It's It's got to provide value. And I'll give you a real world example. And I'm not the best writer, as you know, because you're helping me and <laughs> I'm getting better. But I just I just want to get messages out. So I, I write. And with my website right now, you know, one piece of content is driving like 70 percent of the traffic. It's not the podcast. It's not. I wrote one article on you know, 99 out of 100 businesses don't get to 10 million, be the one that does, right? I mean, I don't know, maybe it's the title that's driving it, but I didn't do anything to promote it. But somehow Google said, hey, this is a, a good title. So the only reason I'm saying that, that I probably had 15 other pieces that, that don't drive it. But I think going back to our conversation on the foundation, right, is people are starting to look for you that don't know you, right? So maybe that's one distinction we could talk about, because I think what happens in the early days 
is you're selling into your network and maybe people that know you, that know somebody, that's where you get a lot of the traction. If you can't sell into that group, you may not have the right business idea. It's, it's getting to that next level of the people that don't know you or don't know the product. How do you connect with them? And that, that starts with, with content. So when people are looking for you, you've got to have you know, some of the foundational pieces. And again, my oversimple is three stories, right? What's your, what's your owner story? What's the business story? Why'd you start the business? And your customer story. And quite honestly, I'm still working to get those three pieces out for my business. But I mean, again, I listen to people much smarter than me than you, for example, on the content side that, that, you know, this is right. It's, it's just the cost of doing business these days, right? Yeah. And, and it's funny that you talk about story because right now there's a really big push for that more than anything. I think it's something to do with being cooped up for two years in a pandemic. Like we're craving stories and connection more than ever. And the strongest content marketing right now is is focused on storytelling, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a blog post or a social media post or a video, what, whatever the case may be. And uh, even your testimonials, that that's part of content marketing, right? Like the yeah. more of a story you can tell. And then going back, uh, it's uh, your your early content, all of your content, you, you provide value, show that you understand your customer. If you can do that and someone finds a blog post or a social media post and it resonates with them and it strikes an emotional chord, then you've immediately built some kind of trust. You continue right. providing value, continue showing that you understand them. Maybe you make them laugh once in a while too. It's a, it's a whole, it's psychological, but it, it's, it's really just like human nature. Like what makes you want to click? What makes something interesting to you? Like think of yourself like a human being and think of one customer. Think of just that one person. What's going to make that one person trust you so that you have a customer or that one prospect become a customer and, and go from there it's it's really I think folks complicate it more than they have to. Yeah, no, I think you're right, and I think the other number one thing I see backwards is people want to make it about themselves and not about the yes. customer. I mean, it, again, I'm again my super simple approach is what is the problem that you're solving for that customer, and the more they realize that you can solve that problem, nobody cares about features and benefits, nobody cares about MQLs, marketing qualified. They don't care about your sales process. They just if you can make it clear that you can solve their problem you're going to get people coming to you, right? I mean, I, again, I think to your point of we overcomplicate it, it really is that simple, right? Am I wrong? No, no. And oh man, the number of times like, well, we really want to focus on X. I'm like, yeah, but nobody gives a shit about X. Like, nobody <laughs> cares. Like uh, it's, and it happens all the time. Again, it's every business. It doesn't matter. It's... um. But I, I'll tell you, sometimes you just have to get out of your own way. And I am not trying to pick on anyone who's listening here. We've all done it. We have all done it. As a marketer, I can't tell you how many times I've told people, do as I say, not as I do. And I'm trying really hard to to um, actually put into action the types of uh, recommendations that I give folks because it could be hard sometimes when you're living in this all day long. It's easier to tell people yeah. what they should do than to do it yourself. But um uh, but I'll tell do you. As I say, not as I do. Right? Yeah, I, I'm really backing off of that. If I ever have the honor of working with any of you and I say that to you, you can virtually slap me in the face because <laughs> that's terrible. No, I mean, but it, again, we're all guilty of it. It's just easier to think and talk about our features and benefits and why we're different, which is important. Different is important. But in the context of solving 
that problem. And maybe the last piece of this and what I, I see a lot is, you know, is your product a need to have or a nice to have? And when I say nice to have and when times are good and people have extra budget, you know, they'll maybe they'll buy it because it looks pretty cool. But man, you'd rather have a need to have. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they, for sure. Right. And also to your point on differentiation, I mean, and this is easy for me to say again, because I've had the honor of working with startups and business owners at every stage of the journey. But the earlier you can get someone in, uh, a consultant who works on marketing can help you. A lot of times what you think differentiates you from the competition does not at all. It just doesn't. And so you really need to get to the heart of that. And once you strike that chord and you find out what that is, it everything else falls into place. Your messaging, your content, your marketing, your advertising, PR, all of it. Uh, it, it's so important to really understand what makes you different. And I think you're living in it every day. It's okay to know that you need someone else to help shine a light on that. That's okay. Yeah. So from your perspective, you know, from a content and a marketer, what are some of the fundamentals, right? Because people are looking for a business, they're going to search and which comes back kind of into our terms. But as I'm starting to grow, if even a side hustler or a contractor and I'm looking to expand and we talked about content, can I get away with just being on LinkedIn? Do I need a website? What's where's Where do you fall in that area? So, okay. If you're looking to get started with a side hustle or you're a freelancer and you literally just need the bare minimum right now, I would tell you to set up a cheap or free website on card. That's C-A-R-R-D.co. And you could get, uh, they have a bunch of free templates that's actually really cheap. And then they have for 19 bucks a year, <laughs> that's super right. cheap. You can get a premium one. It integrates with MailChimp, so you can put an email list on there. You're, you're not blogging. It's a simple one-page site, but it can have sections like your about and your services. Throw that up. Collect email addresses if you can. And I would say, frankly, that most people cannot do more than one social platform well. It's, right. it's really difficult to do, even for businesses. So I would say choose one and go all in on it. If you're in B2B, that's LinkedIn. Right now, there's no better bang for your buck if you're in B2B and even some B2C than LinkedIn. You can get so far. It's just, it's easy, relatively easy to build an audience. You don't need to buy ads. You don't even need a premium account. You know, there's just, um, that's where you're going all in. If you're in B2C, well, actually, you know what? And this is going to sound cute again, but it it really goes back to knowing your customer. So where are your customers and follow them there? If, uh, you know, TikTok may be the right place for you and you go all in and make short form content on your phone. You don't need a fancy camera. It just needs to be real. It could be Instagram. That's fading. If you're going after, this is going to sound awful, but if you're going after boomers, then Facebook might still be a great place because I know everybody has aunts, uncles, and grandparents who are still active on Facebook. Um, yeah. So it, it really depends. Audience. That's right. Know your audience and then go there and go all in. And you could use if you so if you're going to go all in on video. So you know, actually, no, that's for another day, folks. I'm sorry to tease that, but that's <laughs> we'll a go little deeper. bit more sophisticated. <laughs> yeah, because I could keep going and you'll never shut me up. But that's that's the number one thing. You know, get a get a free or cheap, super cheap site on card. Sign up for free Mailchimp, uh, which you can get up to like two thousand contacts for for free. Throw up that form and then post on social. Also, I would say have on your featured on LinkedIn if you're going to go on LinkedIn. There's a featured section if you're in creator mode. Have one of them be your website. Send people to your website. Have the other be a link to a free Calendly, C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y. 
and set free consultation calls, 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. If you're literally starting from scratch right now, that's the best way. Post every day, at least once, have people come back to your to your site or check out your profile and have them set up calls with you. And you're going to, in no time. I mean, it's add value, say, add but. value, add value. Don't forget yeah. to add value. That's right. <laughs> because too often we see just people posting for posting sake and it's nice. You're going to get engagement, but it's not. You'll right. get it's some gonna, engagement. Yeah. Yeah. But again, if you want to build it towards your business, add the value of how you help and eventually that momentum will, will take you there. So two, two more area, one more, well, one for sure challenge that I see businesses all sizes that struggle. And I think if you fix this, it'll help you is have a plan, right? Where are you trying to get to? What do you want to accomplish? I don't care if you're a solo person that's working 20 hours a week and I want to do three projects. Identify what you want and what you need to get there. Because if you don't have a plan, you're one, you're never going to get better and you're not going to move towards it unless it's by accident. But so many small business owners and even bigger companies don't have a goal and and don't make it so big. You may maybe you're a you know a hundred thousand dollar business now and you want to get to ten million. Start with two. What do I need to do to get to two million dollars? Right. What's my average sales price? That means I've got to get twenty seven more customers. Man, can I get them through the fulfillment? Pro- Again, have a plan. I don't know yeah. if you your experience is different with folks, and I'm guessing even on the marketing side they don't have plans because no. we were talking about content plans before. No, start with the plan and work backwards from there. So start with that big plan, like you said, and then you're going to get down and you're going to get into service and sales and marketing. And you're going to create plans that stem from the overarching business plan. You're going to create individual in there. And then from there in marketing, you're going to have ads, uh, content. And so everything works backwards. It sounds like a lot of work. And to be honest, it is. I mean, that's why Brett and I are in business, right? Because we help people True. do these things. But you know, uh, you have to start and, and again, it's time intensive, it takes effort, but it's going to help prevent those those issues where you get stuck or it's going to help you be prepared to get over the hump when you're stuck. And um, so, yeah, from marketing, it's, you know, what is that overarching, let's say, revenue goal? What are the challenges that sales has? Well, what is their plan? And then how do you help fulfill that? So you have build the marketing strategy. And uh, I would say that arguably in most marketing strategies right now, content's going to figure quite prominently in that. And then you build the mark, the content strategy that in directly tied into your marketing strategy, and then you build out the tactics from that. And then you have to, you know, you, you have those goals individually for those. And, and then you build in a system so that it's easy for you to implement and you assess at a regular interval and then you tweak and you move forward and, and yeah, and then that's going to work for every, every facet of your business. And if you're a solopreneur, you have a small team or you're an early stage startup and it's just you, the founder, uh, that's a lot of work. So I get it. But, you know, there are people who can help. And, uh, you know, that's why we're well, here. It's, it's a good a good transition, too, because I think one measure, right? Yes. Just don't do it and hope for the best because hope is not a strategy. But no. even with marketing, tie it back to your plan is what you're doing from a messaging or content tied to what's going to drive that that plan. And two, with the resource side, and I think we talked maybe offline, you know, I read a book not too long ago and longer, not even longer term, recent episodes, I've talked about the the Who Not How book by Sullivan and Hardy, and it really changed my perspective on help how small businesses can grow. And like I said, I've always believed in outsourcing, but I've always looked at it from, hey, we can get customer services people in those industries that do this really well, not your core competency. 
But where what's happened with the digital side of this world now is you don't, people think of virtual assistants as calendars and email and those things. But man, there's some really smart people, virtual experts, I call them. And we had the CEO of Assistantly on, I don't know, three or four episodes ago. I've already incorporated into my business because I was the blocker, right? I'm not good at certain tasks. So I'm going to go find the who that's going to come in. So I, I just wanted, maybe we can do a full episode on this at some point, because I think it's so important that you can do it, right? If you're not good at it or you're not getting to it, it's just, it's stopping the business. And so you don't have to spend six figures to bring an expert in. There's ways to do it. And we can talk about some of the challenges with that, but man, figure out what you're good at, what you're not good at, what your business needs, have a plan, right? But there, there are resources now that can, can really specifically help in, in certain areas. Yeah. Individuals, automation, there are so many tools. I completely agree. I'm sure you guys let us know if that's something you want to hear, but we'll probably talk about it anyway, because it's getting me excited just thinking about it. I <laughs> think this is a really rich topic. Yeah. And another one of my, uh, I don't know if it's a motto, but the um, eliminate, uh, delegate, automate, right? So if you can eliminate it as part of the process, get rid of it if it's not adding value. And, you know, the thing I'll tie that back to is we, you brought up earlier was to the customer, right? Again, don't think of it about your internal, but you want to align with the way your customer buys and then the way they use your products. So if you're thinking about that, what are you doing internally to support the way I like to think of it as a bunch? I, I can't take credit for it. I had drawing a blank on who the, the entrepreneur was from Ireland, but he had talked about how his first business was, he probably had a bunch of outside salespeople that were calling. He replaced all those folks with content people near and dear to your heart and folks that could handle micro processes. So he's looking at his sales process and, you know, what does the customer need at each of these steps of the journey? And who's best suited to, to do that instead of thinking, well, I need Mark, should marketing or sales take that? Stop thinking like that. It's not, don't think about marketing and sales. Think about what does the customer need and who is the best person to do it? Do you have that internally? If you don't, then you got to figure out how to, to provide that. So, um, yeah, I think we'll have a lot of fun with this. I think, yeah. right, you could probably talk for an hour and a half <laughs> today. But again, I think with, with what we want to do with this episode, we'll start macro. And what we'll start to do is we'll pick a theme of the week. We'll still bring in experts and authors to share their expertise. And what we want to do is, you know, find the cutting edge. What's working today, right? Because what you and I have also talked offline, that conventional wisdom, right, is dead. Just the way things worked, I think people get bad advice going back to the 99 out of 100 don't get to 10 million. Whatever they're doing isn't working. <laughs> Yeah. Even five years ago in marketing, what, what worked then really isn't working. So that's what we're here for. So if, if you guys think of anything specific, there's topics that you I heard one today that we'll have to see if we can flush out is, you know, as a business owner, my biggest challenge and the biggest check I'm writing is for healthcare. I'm like, why is there nobody out there solving healthcare for small business owners? I'm like, that's a great question. That's one of the biggest checks I'm writing right now. So yeah. Yeah, let me we'll think about out. that. That's something that personally affects me. I mean, it affects a lot of people. It affects people from making the leap from corporate into entrepreneur, the entrepreneurial journey as it is. And hundred percent. I mean, we don't we don't need or want to get political on on it, but like, there's a lot of components to consider. Health insurance is a royal pain in the butt. <laughs> yeah. So if anybody's out there that's got ideas for a plan that wants yes. to take on this industry, let us know, and we'll see what we can do to to help you. So for sure. Any closing thoughts for today? 
No, I'm just happy to be here. I know we could talk about this stuff for hours and, and luckily for you guys, uh, we will be. And so <laughs> it, and please connect with, with Brett or myself on LinkedIn or, uh, we're both on Twitter as well. And let us know if there's something that you want us to dig into or bring someone on or anyone who you think we should bring on as well, because, uh, we're really good at, at poking holes and asking questions because we want to get to the heart of this stuff for you. And, and what matters. So well yes. said. All right, Diana, one in the books, looking forward to many more. So everyone have a great rest of your day and we'll, we'll catch up with you next week. Yeah, sounds good. Take care, everyone. Bye.